This episode is brought to you by 2 Before Performance Nutrition. 2 Before is a natural sports performance supplement made from New Zealand blackcurrant berries. There's a growing body of evidence behind these berries for improving endurance and kickstarting recovery. With a sweet and tangy berry flavor, you can mix it in water, juice, sports drinks, and smoothies. For optimal results, drink daily 30 to 60 minutes before training. Use code INDIANA30 online at 2before.com for 30% off 20-pack products and free shipping. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Indiana Runner podcast. My name is Josh Puccinelli, and this is my portion of the podcast where I sit down with some of the best coaches and athletes from around the state, past and present. We discuss the highs and lows of their running or coaching journeys, the key insights they've gained along the way, and often dive into the bigger picture beyond the course of the track, the things that make them human, not just elite runners or coaches. The following is an interview with Matt Sweetman. Matt is the current head boys and girls cross country and head girls track and field coach at Franklin Central High School. During this interview, we cover Matt's start in the sport, his progression through high school, winning state as a team his senior year, making the unfortunate decision to go to IU, the trial by fire that was his freshman year of college, his journey into the coaching world, what he believes about training and culture, finding balance in life, all things state this year, and much more. I enjoyed hearing about the high standards that he calls his teams to, and drawing upon the experience of bringing the most out of himself at IU to rise to meet the challenges before him. Matt desires to be the best coach he can possibly be while finding balance in his life, trying to also be the best father and husband he can be. Thank you guys for listening to and supporting this podcast. As always, hope you all enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Without further ado, I give you Matt Sweetman. All right, Coach Sweetman, welcome to the Indiana Runner Podcast. How's it going? It's going. How you doing? I'm doing well. I'm still not used to this whole dark and it was like dark at like three o'clock today. I felt like, yeah, yeah. It's uh, I'm I'm one of those people that it's a little bit easier for me to go into work if it's a little light out. Way easier for me to drive in, especially on a Tuesday right before Thanksgiving. But getting dark by five six o'clock, it's not great. Yeah, for sure. I it, it has been a lot easier in that regard. Like it's been a lot easier to wake up, easier to fall asleep. I think it's. It hasn't been as bad because we're like everyone is in between seasons right now and um, practice practice will start back up here in a couple of weeks. I think it'll be I'll be able yeah. to be the worst when, <laughs> yeah. when practice and it's still dark out. Definitely. Um, but I appreciate you taking the time to to be interviewed, to talk with me. Excited to, to dig into your story. But we open up every episode with what's called tier talk. We rank our top three in a certain category and this week with uh the thanksgiving right around the corner a couple of days from now we're gonna rank our top three favorite thanksgiving foods uh do you want to go first or you want me to go go ahead go ahead okay mine are i'm like pretty bland eater um so i i have a theory of, of why i'm pretty bland and picky um so growing up we because we i have two younger sisters and we were always in sports and just doing other activities and it was like tough for us eat at home all the time when we had like games and whatnot. So oftentimes we were eating out. I always got to pick like what I would eat. And so I feel like I, the residual effect of that has been, I haven't had a ton of opportunity to branch out and my, <laughs> my like, taste is pretty, pretty bland. But with that being said, my number three is mashed potatoes. Uh, I feel like it's a, a staple of, of Thanksgiving foods. And I feel like I could just yeah. eat unlimited amount of mashed potatoes. Absolutely. 
Uh, number two, similar um, in the potato family, is a sweet potato casserole. But like it's kind of like a a pseudo healthy dessert ish thing. Um, but you just like never really get to have it outside of Thanksgiving time. And I don't know, I love a good good sweet potato. Number one is rolls. <laughs> I feel like I could eat if I could just have rolls and butter, like have twenty of them for a meal. I would definitely do it. Um, wow. So <laughs> those are my top three. Yeah, uh, mine are a little different. Um, my mine probably changed uh, twenty years ago when I got married and uh, suddenly had these in laws that uh, are farmers. And they uh, they do things a little differently than than we do here. So, um, you know, we have I think number three was uh, mac and cheese. My mother in law oh, makes nice. a mean mac and cheese um, that uh, is tough to turn down. And then um, number two for me was um, we got a little bit of mashed potatoes as well. Big nice. fan. Uh, they put a little bacon in their mashed potatoes up north. Okay. Uh, my family, my uh, my in-laws are from uh, Huntington, Indiana, so they've got a, a farm just outside of there. So they they do some things differently up there. So uh, <laughs> and then uh, brisket was my number one. I, my brother-in-law makes brisket every year, and it's for Thanksgiving. It's good. Oh yeah, it's oh, they're big nice. on uh, they're big on uh, using their smoker. So oh, uh, they. They butcher a cow, uh, I think, every summer, and then every time we go up there, we'll probably go up there every other weekend uh, just to see the family and, uh, you know, sometimes help out uh, on the farm. They, they, uh, they've got corn and beans, and then they've got two giant uh, chicken houses up there that have 28,000 chickens in each one, and... What? It's all automated, like it's, wow. it's pretty wild. But they have to go in there for about four hours every day just to like pick eggs and <laughs> do something with them. So there's a lot of work to go around. But my son loves anything that has to do with the farm, so uh, he's always just running around doing whatever he can. That's awesome. Yeah. I, if brisket, if I knew brisket was an option for Thanksgiving, oh. that would definitely be my number one. <laughs> It's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. He'll start it probably Wednesday afternoon and Dang. we'll have it ready to go. It's a real slow cook. Yeah. I may have to take a little detour on my way to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so for mac and cheese, do you like it like creamy or like baked? Or uh, like baked. Okay. Yeah. Same. Yeah. I'm a big texture guy. Like if it's, <laughs> it's not a good texture, I'm not a big fan of it. I don't know. I don't know why I just can't do it. Yeah. Are there any foods that like people would be surprised to hear that you don't like? Um, not really. I mean, I really don't eat. I'm, I'm a horrible, I, and I, I never try to uh, tell our kids on our team to, you know, eat like me uh, because I don't really eat vegetables. Uh, I hate broccoli. I hate, you know, any kind of vegetable. So uh, in fact, looking back on like, you know, high school and college, if there was, and I tell our kids this all the time, if there was one thing I could change, it would be that I would have taken eating healthy a lot more seriously back then, mm. because it, it was something I think would have made a little bit, a little bit of a difference. But um, when you're running 90 to 100 miles a week, I don't know that you really care what you're putting in your body. <laughs> as long as you're not 
hungry anymore. So for sure. I've yeah. always wondered from like a I don't know what the word is, like a biological level, like why I don't know, because I'm a similar way. I, I don't like um vegetables. I never really have, but they're like obviously good for you and good for right. your body. So like I just I've always been confused why like my brain does not like <laughs> when well let me ask you this were you like force fed vegetables as a kid because i was and that might be why i've like rebelled ever since a little like bit. i got really i got really good at like throwing my vegetables in the trash and then covering it up with other trash so that my <laughs> mom couldn't tell for sure but yeah i mean it was my mom was big on like lima beans we were eating lima beans like four Same. times a week and that's probably that's probably why i've rebelled so much since then and just <laughs> i don't have to eat any of that so i stay away from it you made it so far yeah um, well cool so our second uh icebreaker is what's called car thoughts thoughts you have when you're driving shower on a run those times when you're alone so what i've been thinking about the past week or so, I'm reading a book called The 4-Hour Workweek. I don't know if you've heard about it. Um, but the basic premise is, and I'm only like 100 pages in, but um, it's like basically being pretty ruthless with your time. It's geared towards work, but it can be applied like anywhere else. Um, and basically like challenging the the busy hours that you fill your day with. Like, do you have to be doing these things can these things be automated like where are your priorities and and it goes into depth on a lot of those things but one thing that stuck out so far in reading it is he talked about you should i don't know there's many things that you can aim at or optimize for in life um whether it be like money time with family happiness um there's so many things you can be um to, that you can optimize for but he was making the argument that in regards to happiness, uh, a better thing to optimize for opposed happiness is excitement. And that really like struck a chord with me. Just thinking about like happiness is a very like in the moment, hard to control, I feel like, emotion. Um, whereas excitement is a lot more geared towards the future. Maybe that's just how I'm wired. I'm a pretty like future oriented kind of person. Um mm -hmm. But just instead of like trying to be as happy as I can in this moment, I want to be like excited for the the day, the week, the life that I'm building. Um, and it's given me a lot more like ownership of my day to day as well, because I'm maybe I'm not like loving what I'm doing that day at work. But if I know it's I'm aiming at something bigger, at something in the future, and this is just like a step towards that makes it a lot more enjoyable. Uh, so it's just been like a really small, minor, like tweak in my approach to to day to day life, but it's it's helped a lot. It's got me more excited about life. Yeah. Uh, my not so serious car thought, and this is probably what I think about most that isn't so serious, is fantasy football. Um, there's I've been playing like off and on for I don't know probably the last ten to twelve years. And I had to take a break a couple of years ago because I just get like so into it. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what it is about it. I just, so I like data, I like numbers, but I also like football a lot. And just like the marriage of, I like competition. And so I'm like always checking the ESPN app, checking different injury reports. And waiver wire. So that's like half of what I think about <laughs> throughout the day. 
my last three years, uh, my first overall pick, my first round pick has been hurt in the first game of the season and has been out for like, has gone straight to IR. And (laughs) I just, I don't know why I still play. I mean, it's, it's all (laughs) my, uh, my family has a league and every year I'm like, man, this lineup looks pretty good. Yeah. It's be great. And then, oh yeah, Cooper Cup isn't playing this week. So, uh, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> five more out like okay all right I'm gonna yeah. i'm gonna be below 500 again so you know the pain yeah yeah it's, yeah. Uh, it's definitely a uh, roller coaster journey fantasy football is yeah for sure uh what about yeah. you what have you been thinking about the past um, couple weeks really my um like the serious wise i guess is um just kind of thinking i was you know we had we ran, uh, our girls ran Nike a week ago, and then um, our top girl, Kylie Klein, ran the um, Mideast meet in Ohio this past weekend. Um, so really, like, the serious thoughts that I've had in the car lately have been like, what am I going to do with all this time? Like, how much time do I really, <laughs> you know, I want our kids to take time away, um, you know, way more so between their ears than, you know, below their neck. Um but, you know, I, I feel like I need a little bit of time, too, because, you know, it takes it definitely takes its toll on uh, my family and being away. And, you know, our two and a half year old is uh, very mobile and uh, he's a handful just for one of us to handle. So, uh, you know, when I'm not here, uh, that's, you know, puts a little bit of a burden on my wife. So um, but just kind of thinking about what am I going to do with that time? And then I'll probably, you know, towards the tail end, start thinking about, okay, what do we want to do when we start back up? What are some things we want to change from last year, which we've already kind of thought about. Mm -hmm. Uh, But um, yeah, I I think about that kind of stuff. Um, And my wife can always tell because I, I'm really bad at kind of unplugging after a season or even like after a practice, she can kind of see that, you know, maybe I'm stewing over something or thinking about something and, She's like, hey, hey, you got to be present, and that's 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 been tough. So, I think that's probably my my serious one, my not so serious one. Um, you know, I kind of question: Does my son's love for '80s music is that naturally? Does that come naturally because I love '80s music, or is it because he sees me singing, you know, '80s music all the time in the car, mm-hmm. and he just kind of picked up on it? I don't know, but. <laughs> Lately, every time we get in the car, it's, you know, daddy play take on me or <laughs> or play uh, play take me home tonight. Like, OK, all right, we'll play that. So we'll <laughs> no play problem. these songs for him. And he's I mean, he's the 80s. So I'd That's like okay. to think that it comes naturally, but you never know. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. How much um, how much time are you guys taking off after the cross country season? Um, I've always been a big fan of one week completely off and then uh, kind of either every other day or run once every three days. Mm-hmm. Um, but for our girls that just ran uh, Nike, we're probably going to do two full weeks because the track season is just so much longer than, than yeah. cross country. And we've got a lot of kids that, you know, they're, you know, JV ended you know, a few months ago. And so they've been kind of itching to get back, which I want every kid to be itching to go out and get a run in and and look at it from that perspective. Like, oh, we have to start running again. More like, 
we get to start running again. So, um, yeah, it's, it, it just kind of depends. I know usually the, the kids that had really good seasons, they don't want to take that much time off. And the <laughs> ones that had, you know, maybe didn't uh, meet the expectations they had on themselves, they, they want to take a little bit longer time. So sure. either way, I don't know that there's a wrong answer. I think it's, you know, if they're, if they're ready to do it and that's something they just can't, most of the kids just go stir crazy, I think more than anything. So way too much time on their hands. And there's, there's some kids on our team that too much time on their hands is a bad thing. So we try to, <laughs> we try to get them on a, a plan somewhat early. Yeah, for sure. So for you, is it um, like you'd mentioned thinking about this upcoming week or two or three and trying to unplug as it, I don't know, have you, come to any conclusions with that is there stuff you're going to try to do during this time or is it is it pretty tough to to shift gears after going yeah. so for so long yeah yeah it really is um because you know it kind of becomes you know just your you know your daily daily agenda is kind of the same thing it's not necessarily groundhog day and we try to make it so it's not mm -hmm. but um yeah it's it's kind of tough to to unplug and really i've just been trying to you know, we'll take my son somewhere. Or he loves to go. He has this little uh, motorized tractor that we uh, we take to the to the track, and he'll drive it around in lane one. And uh, it's got like techno music that pl it plays while he's driving. <laughs> it's pretty, it's pretty impressive. So we just try to get outside as much as we can because I want him to enjoy being you know outdoors and. So really just trying to, to spend as much time with him as I can because track is, you know, is as much time away from the family as cross country can be, you know, every meets on Saturday, which is not a, a horrible, not mm -hmm. a tough sell. But once we get into track season with indoor and then once we get to outdoor um, coaching, you know, the distance kids for the boys and the girls, you know, we get to May and it's, you know, Tuesday, Thursday, we've got to meet, you know, every week. So I think that that's something we really tough, really a lot, whole lot of time. And I kind of knew that going into, uh, you know, coaching with, you know, boys and the girls, but uh, definitely much more time consuming. This episode is brought to you by Olipop. Olipop is a healthy and delicious alternative to soda. Available in 14 flavors, including cherry vanilla, cream soda, and my personal favorite, classic root beer, Olipop combines prebiotics, plant fiber, and botanical extracts to support your digestive health with less than 5 grams of sugar and 45 calories in each can. Indiana Runner podcast listeners can get 15% off at checkout with code IRPODCAST15. If you'd like to support the podcast and are looking for a healthy and delicious alternative to soda, check out Olipop today. Yeah, for sure. Have you like figured out ways to to create balance? Like I know there's, I don't know. Like you said, like the meets are going to be when the meets are, and practice is going to be when practice right. is. But like those those times in between, like I've you already mentioned, like staying present. But have you gotten better in, in different ways? That yeah, I mean, there's always try to make any concessions with my wife that I can. So. um you know, I try to take my son to as many home meets as possible. And, you know, he's got, you know, there's a whole group of, of girls that just kind of fawn all over him and, and he's, you know, loving life. So, um, you know, I try to, 
to incorporate him as much as I can with that. And then, you know, sometimes if I can, um, you know, I don't miss any meets, but if I can uh, get to a point where maybe I can drive myself to a meet uh, to get there a little right as the meet starts and leave, um, you know, after we've kind of uh, debriefed and everything after the meet um, to try to consolidate some more time, um, I try to do that. But sometimes, you know, you, you don't have that option. And, you know, if it's a, a smaller meet or just select kids, you know, I'm I'm the one driving. So it's uh, it's not something where I can really uh, get away early and then late. So for sure. Yeah, I so for the past like year or two, I was I don't know. I was like dead set that I wanted to be a head coach eventually. Um but so I have a girlfriend and I imagine we'll be getting engaged in the, the nearest future and thinking about marriage and family and whatnot. Does she listen um, to this podcast? What? Is she, a fan, is she a fan of the podcast? Cause I don't, I, I'm worried that it's like some, some breaking news. Maybe she's not ready for it. Or... <laughs> that would, that would actually be hilarious. <laughs> That's how she does <laughs> No, she, yeah. The one time I listened to a podcast, this is what you said. <laughs> yeah, right. What? You think we're going to get married? Um, but I don't know. It's been like a kind of ongoing process of like, obviously my whole life I was like single and thinking about myself, my future, like what that's going to look like, but like having to consider um, and wanting to consider her having and future kids and what that looks like with coaching, something that I'm, I'm very passionate about. Um, it's just like, I don't know, I'm taking a step back of being completely yeah. sure that that's the path I want to go down. Um, I don't know, just to, to be sure yeah. that, because uh, it is such a big commitment. I want to do it, do it well. Yeah. Well, and, and I've always been a firm believer that, you know, the two, the two biggest jobs that you'll have in your lifetime that you that you have to make sure that you don't screw up is being a good husband and being a good dad mm. you know those those are two huge things that like gosh i i can i can fail at coaching or i can fail at you know, teaching i guess i teach pe so i don't know that i that i can <laughs> fail at that but uh you know i can i can do a you know i cannot be great at either of those things but the one the things that I can't afford to not be great at is uh being a good husband and being a good dad those are the two jobs that I just I would never want to um you know look back and think man I just I kind of half-assed that mm, for sure that's a that's a really good thing yeah. to realize and it makes it tough you know with coaching because you're you're spending that time away and it's like, you definitely question that. Like, you know, is this, you know, is this amount of time that I'm away? Is this good for either of these two people who are my favorite people in the world? You mm -hmm. know, it makes it, it makes it tough. Um, but you know, my wife is, is pretty supportive and understands that, you know, it's, you know, a passion of mine and, and I want to make sure that, you know, I can find any, any loopholes that I can to try to make sure that it's not as big a burden as, as maybe it could be. For sure. And I feel like that is, I don't know, part of the, maybe that goes in the pro section of, of coaching and, and having a family is like doing something that you love and are passionate about 
has like very positive effects on your family. Like if you're, I don't know, like if you're just like feeling good and optimistic about life and the things that you're doing, I feel like that usually translates well yeah. over to, to family. Um, yeah. I also feel like on the the financial side, like I, it would be really nice if high school head coaching was like <laughs> support you fully, you know, uh, makes sense yeah. why it doesn't, but it's also kind of yeah. like a double-edged sword where like, you know, if you're in high school coaching, you're doing it just because you, you love the sport, you love coaching. Cause there really is. Not for the money. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, yeah. I, was just I think, I think one year we, we kind of broke down, you know, the, the stipend that, that we had for a given school year, um, you know, with cross country and track um, combined, and then tried to come up with what it came down to hourly, what an hourly wage was based on what we were getting paid to coach compared to the amount of time that we, you know, were putting into it, just practice time, um, anytime, you know, meet entry, stuff like that. Um, and I think it came out to like 18 cents an hour, I think is what <laughs> it eventually was. It's wow. just, you just take, you know, you've got practices every single day, but Sunday, so Monday through Saturday, you've got stuff going on. You've got meets, you know, you're getting to school well early before your bus is leaving. I mean, factoring in all the hours uh, and the time that coaches put into it, I mean, it's definitely not for the money. That's for sure. Yeah, well, that's that's really interesting. Eighteen yeah. cents an hour. Yeah, especially the summer. The summertime was definitely uh, pushed mm -hmm. that pushed that number pretty far down. Yeah, definitely. Uh, well, cool. So we are going to get into your story. Um, how you got your start in running and coaching, and then talk a little bit about coaching. So we'll start from the beginning. Um, how did you get your start in running? What were the beginnings like? Um, you know, I really wasn't into running until probably uh, fourth grade, fifth grade. Um, I think in first grade, we had like a little 100 meter dash at our elementary school and I just got my doors blown off and I just didn't like that feeling. So um, the next time we got a chance to race, it was it was like, OK, I'm kind of competitive with this. I'd, I'd like to do this more. And. I think by fourth and fifth grade, um, my best friend and I were running at recess every day instead of playing basketball or playing tag or going down the slide. We had this little course that we would run around uh, Bunker Hill Elementary, and it had uh, a creek that we would jump across. And I we were doing that just about every day of recess um, and really enjoyed that. And then um, fifth grade, we had a a big elementary track meet where all the elementaries compete against each other in a track meet. I think it was, we had the, I think it was the, the 60, the hundred, the 200, 400, 800, and then the 1200 was as high as it would go. Um, and um, I did really well with that. And that was just it was a lot of fun. I had uh, the coach that was in charge of all that. It was a first grade teacher at the elementary named Mark Hamilton. And uh, he was just awesome, just a uh, super fun, positive guy that was just, you know, I still see him every now and then at uh, our Fast Flash 5K that we host in the summertime. And he's always asking, hey, 
hey, how's the team going to be? You know, he's still, you know, that was probably, gosh, 35 years ago. And he still invested in, you know, the kids that he was working with back then, which is just so cool. That's that just kind so of a cool. testament to who he is. So. so when you guys would do this chorus during recess, um, was it like continuous? Like were you guys running the during the whole recess? Yeah, it was uh, my best friend, uh, Corey Ferguson and I, um he was actually a really good runner um in high school and then chose to play soccer his junior and senior year he thought he still says that his biggest regret was not running cross country our senior year when we won state because oh, he, yeah. they got beat in the first round of the sectional in soccer and he were just like man was it worth it and just <laughs> kind of it in a little bit uh but he and i would um we were the only two and we would run during recess. And by the time we got to middle school, I mean, we would meet up, you know, every day that we could and go for a run down uh, Arlington Avenue here in Franklin Township, which if anyone is from this area, Arlington Avenue is probably not a great uh, road to be running down, especially uh, if you're, if you're a young, young junior high kid. So <laughs> I don't know, our parents just kind of trusted us. I don't know why, but they did. You know, we never got hit by a car, but I mean, we were, we enjoyed going out for runs and seeing like, okay, we've never gone this far. Let's see how far we can go today. It was just kind of fun way of us challenging each other. Yeah, for sure. That's cool. Um, what was the introduction to like more formal, um, like team running and, and did you start in, in middle school? Yeah. Um, our junior high was sixth, seventh and eighth grade. And I had a phenomenal coach uh, named Ken Swank that uh, he was just, you want to talk about a guy that was just all in uh, as a coach. We would do uh, a 400 workout. We probably had 70 kids on the team. And the next morning he would have a poster board of every kid's name and all of their splits uh, on a poster board posted right outside our, our locker room. Just every time we'd have a meet the very next day, he'd have, he'd, you know, he'd take pictures during the meet. He'd go get them developed, hand them out at practice the very next day. I mean, he was just super devoted to us and uh, had a lot of success, uh, had a lot of really good runners that he turned into even better runners. So um, that was probably my first kind of taste of competitive <laughs> running. And that was, uh, you know, sixth grade was, it was kind of cool to be able to run with and, and beat kids that were older than me. That was kind of cool. Um, but the, the neat thing was to see, you know, some of them were, you know, they, nobody was really upset that a sixth grader was beating them. Um, but they were just kind of like, Oh yeah. They kind of took us under their wing and, and it was kind of cool. So, yeah. So I, uh, actually, um, Ella Dijon, who's a senior on our team, her dad was two years older than me, and he was on our team. He went on to be a Indiana All-Star in basketball at Franklin Central uh -huh. and played at, at UND. And uh, he was one that was – he was an eighth grader when I was a sixth grader, and and he would he would run next to me. And, I mean, he was he was already, I think, 6'1", 6'2". He was, he was pretty tall. He's I think he's 6'8 now. But um, it was just cool that, you know, these eighth graders were – you know, not threatened by sixth graders and, and they just kind of 
they kind of shared in the success. So it was kind of cool. Yeah, definitely. Um, sometimes I think about like the different, like maybe like phases of life and indicators of like getting older. I'm, so I'm still fairly young. I'm, I'm only 27, about to be 28, but I'm getting into that phase where like I'm older than most of the best like pro athletes. Like they'll say, like they'll show a quarterback or whatever and be like, oh, he's 25. I'm like, well, <laughs> wait, I'm older than that. Um, how does it feel to have like to be the same age as like parents of, of the kids on your team? Is that, yeah, like, that it's weird, weird at all? Or it, it's kind of weird. Um, it's way worse uh, when it comes to teaching because I have students this year whose <laughs> parents were former students of mine. Oh, wow. So, I mean, that one, that we had our, you know, back to school night and, you know, two sets of parents come up and say, hey, we were in your, we were in your math class <laughs> several years ago. Here's our son. He's going to be in your class this year. <laughs> and it's just like, man, that's, that's rough. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I don't think that hits until, you know, you're, I think you've got to be in your forties before you finally, you know, get to that point. But still, it's like gosh, I feel like, I don't feel like that much time has gone by, but it has. Yeah. Something to look forward to. Yeah. Um, so when did you feel like you like really took ownership of the sport and of your training? Like, did that not happen until high school or right away? Like, this is, this is my thing. If you'd like to continue listening to this episode of the podcast, you'll need to subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Indiana runner. Once you do, you'll get access to all full-length episodes of the interview portion of the podcast, in addition to other subscriber-only content, including extra content on race previews and recaps, book club episodes, the ability to ask my guests questions, and much more. Thanks again for listening to and supporting this podcast. I look forward to connecting with you on Patreon.